You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, everybody. This is John Schneider with Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey. I'm here tonight with Ryan Manning, my co-host, and our guest, Jahar Ali, who's a former writer, who, like I said, we're still putting pressure on so that he can come back and write for us and maybe do some more of these podcasts officially and not just as a guest. So today we are going to talk about the promotion of... Justin Hamilton to defensive coordinator and uh, the aftermath of that particular move. So Brian and Jahar, which one of you wants to go first on uh, the opinion? I've got my own and I'll get it later. Go ahead. Take this one, Jahar. Okay. So Justin Hamilton is the new defensive coordinator for the Virginia Tech Hokies. And I think Bud Foster definitely had a lot of influence on that. That's clear to see, you know, internal hire, Excelled in the interview, according to Fuente. You know, he's a lunch pill guy, has good connections with recruits, and he was going to keep the future recruits in Blacksburg. So I like the hire from that standpoint. Obviously, you'd like to see a little more um, experience behind this, but if Fuente is willing to go all in on this guy, then I have to support that decision because it's going to be, if Fuente is going to be on the hot seat next year, he can't put it on the hire of the defensive coordinator. It's going to be on all him. There's going to be no one else to blame. So there's, that's my two cents on it. Overall, I think I like the hire, but obviously games are to be played. Yeah, I, you made a good point there about Fuente. There's a chance he could be on the hot seat next year, depending on what happens. And he's willing to promote Justin Hamilton, knowing this is a possibility. I think part of that speaks volumes, that the confidence that he does have in him. I think there's questions about the hire as far as the process, like, you know, I, I wonder if, if he was the plan all along, as, as Fuente said, which which I know he said he interviewed some guys through the, throughout the season, and some of those we'll probably never hear who they were. But I would have liked to just seen the – go ahead and, and make the announcement earlier in the year, and, and but I get why they didn't to a degree. As most people, I would have liked to seen a more experienced hire because part of me believes they were worried about Clemson poaching Hamilton for a like a safety spot, coaching spot there and they panicked and went ahead and promoted him. That may be the case. That may not be the case, but I'm excited that he's there because he's a Hokie through and through. He's got good connections, and he's he's a good coach. He's a bright guy, good coach. I feel good about about his possibilities, but I do worry that, I, you know, that we could have gotten we, – we lost Bud Foster, arguably the greatest college defensive coordinator ever, and you replace him with, a you know, a guy who's 
barely been a coach at this level for just a couple of years now. I see concerns, but overall, I'm very optimistic about it. Yeah, and going back um, to the experience thing, like I'm a 23-year-old kid out of college, and I would really hate if, you know, recruiters from jobs just came to me and was just like, hey, you don't have the experience, you can't do this job. So, I mean, I'm all for giving the guy a chance. That's a good point. I mean, yeah. I agree with you. I mean. Now, from the old guy with gray hair that's hired people and had to, unfortunately, let good people go and that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, I don't know if Fuente's on the hot seat next year or not. I think there's a level of expectation in the athletic department that doesn't include uh, national championships and winning huge things. I really, I really don't. I don't think it's there anymore. Those kind of programs are very expensive, and they operate on kind of sometimes the shady side of the street. And I don't think this administration wants to have any part of that game. So they're trying to run this kind of operation as an upfront, open, and honest operation with no weird things in the background. Uh, I think that's why they've, A, been very, very careful about who they've hired, who they've talked to, and very tight-lipped about how they operate things. I'm not real thrilled with the hire, and the reason why I'm not real thrilled with the hire is because he doesn't have the experience, and that's going to show. Not that he's not a great, you know, a great coach in waiting. I would have liked to have seen him move up to assistant defensive coordinator, had more of a, a say in what was going on, have, you know, have his head a little bit more, do a little bit more game calling from the sideline where maybe the DC would walk off the field, you know, or stay up at the booth and let Hamilton do the calls and, you know, run the defense on the field. I would have liked to have seen a couple of more years of that. I can't take it away from him as far as the enthusiasm, as far as the way people are perceiving him, as far as his his being accepted already and boosted by people. And he does have one benefit. Bud Foster's not going anywhere. Bud Foster's just going to be upstairs. He's going to be available to help. I don't think he's going to step on any toes, but I think he's going to make sure, I think that that was the insurance policy with this move. But I do see this as a seesaw. I'm convinced, this is my personal opinion, but by what I saw, that when Barry Odom got fired, this door opened up that answered all of the, the old pros questions about getting a DC with experience and everything else. And then Barry Odom, because of what happened and some of the things that leaked out and that we saw it looks like that was about to happen, and then the Memphis switch happened, and Odom got hired back at Memphis. Uh, a part of me wonders if Barry Odom ever entered the conversation, like about whatever, 10 days ago, whenever he was let go of at Missouri. Part of me wonders if this would have been such a negative reaction by the fan base. I think once people saw we could get a former SEC head coach in who's still young and ties to Fuente, people got excited. And I think that maybe have colored people's perceptions about the hire. And that's not that's not really fair to Hamilton. And I think a lot there was a huge segment of the fan base that wanted Torian Gray. And anything less than Torian Gray or anything less than Barry Odom wasn't giving Hamilton a fair shot. And that's not really fair. Yeah, and, and that's true. I'm not disagreeing with you on that one at all. I just think that prudence ended up having to be tossed to the wind. They went back to plan A. Barry Odom was an accidental, really fortuitous plan B, and it evaporated in front of them. And Barry Odom, 
I'm convinced Barry Odom's Peter principal level, that means his highest level of competence is a defensive coordinator. I don't think he's a head coach. He did not do well at Mizzou, but it, well, we'll see how he does with Memphis. But it's one of those situations that Hamilton's the guy, so we're going to have to deal with Hamilton, right? You know, we got about a minute and a half left in this segment. Let's just kind of set up the next segment, which I know how you both feel about how some of the parting happened. Because in this promotion, there was also three people who were pretty critical, let go or not retained or whatever euphemism they want to call it. They were fired. I think we need to sort of talk about those three people and how those people are going to be replaced. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey. Before the break, we talked about the Justin Hamilton promotion, but with that came three coaches who were let go with their varying experiences at Virginia Tech. The most notable was defensive line coach Charlie Wiles, who played under Beamer at Murray State and was a longtime confidant of Bud Foster. I think that's the one everyone wants to talk most about. What are you guys' thoughts on Charlie Wiles and the way his dismissal was handled, and do you think Tech needs to go in a different direction? Oh, okay. First of all, Wiles was probably one of our best recruiters. That was a loss. He really was. Because if anybody's ever known Charlie, I've known him on the field as far as not personally, but on the field. He's always been good with a smile. He's always had a firm handshake and, and how you doing? And he always answers quick questions and says, hey, and, and he remembers you from where he saw you last time. He's really smart that way. He's really a good people guy. and. I got sort of in a Twitter battle with a couple of people, not horrible battle, but trying to remind them of the human aspect. We get too many fans out there that forget that these, that coaches are not chess pieces. They're not, they're people that have families and they have mortgages and they have a life. And Charlie Wiles has a quarter century life here in Blacksburg. And that's going to be tough on him to suddenly have that rug pulled out from underneath him. He was an important guy. This is my opinion again. I think that Hamilton needed a couple of years of aging. And I think for him to have been tutored a little bit more, have promoted Charlie to to be the DC for a year or two and give Charlie a chance to figure out where he wanted to go, what he wanted to do, that probably would have been a more politic move. It probably also, to me, would have ended up being a smarter move, but I'm 60 years old. I'm not 42. Yeah. Jahar, what's your thoughts on, on Charlie Wiles and let, let go? I don't think I have as strong of an opinion as John did. Obviously, great recruiter, did a lot with not the greatest talent. I mean, I remember when I was in school, Woody Barron was just tearing up offensive lines, and that was a lot of it was his first step. The rest of it was Charlie Wiles. I don't know how exactly, because Bud, Bud Foster really wanted those small ball, small fastball defensive linemen to penetrate into the backfield for his one-gap scheme. I'm not sure if Justin Hamilton wants to do the same thing or if he's looking for a little bit of a scheme change in terms of that aspect. So yeah, it's a little confusing. I'm, I'm hearing that Hamilton is leaning more at what what the pros are up to right now, which is we're going to see more of three heavy down linemen and one lightweight lineman, which is going to be for all intents and practical purposes, a defensive, you know, a, a defensive end that's like an outside linebacker, like a rush linebacker. So 
I don't know. We're going to see a different, slightly different defense. I don't think you're going to see a different defensive backfield. I think Hamilton wanted a different defensive line. I think that there was a disagreement there. I think that there was the snub there. I think there was a couple of other things there that, of course, are all glossed over. And that was probably the Sours pill. We lost Mitchell because he seemed to have turned a cornerback situation around and had Waller and Caleb Farley, Jermaine Waller and Caleb Farley were really running into excellent territory. They have, they have become a force. You want to touch on Charlie Wiles, like, cause I think Jar made a great point when he said that we always, but, but always wanted the smaller, quicker guys to fit the one gas scheme. He's absolutely right. Charlie did the best he could as far as that aspect goes. And, Charlie didn't always pull the top recruits, but it wasn't always his fault. He was he he probably worked harder on the recruiting trail than the younger guys, and I think he did a great job. And I think the thing about Justin Hamilton, if he was really wanting to go with a different style, then as a defensive coordinator, he deserves the opportunity to hire his own guy. That's huge. I mean, you you have to be able to hire your own guy, put your own stamp on on the situation. Yeah, and the and the face at the linchpin of the defense is the defensive line, and if you don't like the way the defensive line's being run and configured and you're now the dc just like the offensive line on the offense if the defensive line isn't able to do its job without any assistance you you're going to want to make that change so i understand from a biz believe me i understand from a business perspective why that happened yeah let's pivot to the other two coaches as you brought up as you brought up brian mitchell i don't i don't have strong feelings on that one because I don't think he was a very good recruiter. And, and uh, his first three seasons, I don't think he did a good job with the secondary. I do think this year it should be noted how well Waller and Farley played. He absolutely deserves credit for that, and that's to be. But it seems like ever since he took over coaching the cornerbacks, we haven't gotten the four-star corners that we, we used to get. Farley was an athlete, and he's developed into something great, but he was recruited as, like, what, a three-star athlete, I think? Yeah, yeah three-star athlete, and they tried him out at receiver. He blew that ACL, and... He was slated for, like, a big-time role as a true freshman wide receiver until he hurt his knee. He Had he played that true freshman season, I don't know that we ever see him at corner, but looking back, that's the best. Him moving to corner is what's going to make him a lot of money in the NFL in the future. Yeah, because he'll get drafted. Definitely late day one, early day two pick right now, if I had to guess. And he's got the size and the athleticism. There's a lot to like there. Would love to see him come back one more year. Part of that's the selfishness of, of me as a as rooting for the Hokies. But also, I think he could be a first-rounder if he comes back and, and keeps building on what he did this year. Yeah, well, we haven't heard any inklings in the, in the grapevine. There hasn't been a fat grape to squeeze that says that he's talking about going pro. I mean, he's, he's, he's eligible to go yeah. pro, but. It's still too early. I mean, he's not yeah. a senior, so he doesn't have to declare for the senior bowl or anything. So he's yeah. got a while. Well, we, yeah. we also had one more coach let go, and this one's not really one that hits me hard. I mean, that was running backs coach Zone Burden, and I'm not too torn up over this one. What What is your guys – What is what do you guys think about this one? Burden was a recruiter, like you said. I think his development was sort of the opposite of Brian Mitchell, like he would recruit, but he wouldn't develop – Tech hasn't had a very solid running back since David Wilson. Yeah, exactly. Someone correct me on that. No, you're yeah. right. Absolutely. So that might be it. Honestly, not totally sure on that. You know, and I think his uh, recruiting, he came to Virginia Tech under Beamer still in Beamer's late years there and as a receivers coach from ODU. And 
he had this reputation as an ace in the seven five seven, and and we haven't seen anything in the seven five seven since he's been there. Really, we, we're losing guys still, and so I, I don't think losing him hurts us there. Interesting to see what what happens moving forward. And again, with assistant coaches, I think that a lot of it has to do during the week instead of just like on the field that day. So Justin Hamilton, for example, we could take him for measure. He could have been really good developing a game plan during the week, scouting the opponent, and his hard work and relationship with the players is going to pay off to a promotion. Whereas some of the other these other guys were just slacking in that department. Not slacking, but just weren't fulfilling their full capabilities in, in that role. I totally agree with you. And I think, what do you think of possibly hiring Pearson Prelo as a cornerbacks coach? I think that's the ideal move. That's the move they should make. And it looks like the move they're going to make. Yeah, I mean, that'd be a good hire. Yeah, Prelo was a good corner at Tech. And he was good in the NFL for several years. And I know Greg Williams always noted how intelligent of a football player he was. And I'm excited to see him get the promotion. It's important to get those DBU was a thing at Tech, and it's kind of went away under Brian Mitchell the last few years. And I want to see that. I want to see us get back to that and get those top-tier corners, safeties here and develop them. And, and I believe this is a good step in the right direction here. Plus, Justin Hamilton, former NFL DB, former successful defense back at Tech. So you make that connection with this guy coming in. I can't pronounce his last name. Yeah, it's a it's a good hire. And I believe interesting to know what they're going to do with the on the defensive line. According to Fuente yesterday, he was still going to hire up to three more coaches and split some responsibilities. He was going to take away the player development, the 10th coaching position that Lechtenberg, who's now the running back coach, that means the Prelo is probably going to be the corners coach and where Hamilton will stay with the safeties and we're going to have to hire a linebackers coach to take Bud Foster's spot. And then sounds like they're going to hire a defensive end and a defensive tackle coach. What do you think about that? The defensive line, defensive tackle coach, I think, again, feeds into what Charlie Wiles provided. But in terms of what Justin Hamilton's vision for the scheme is, I don't think defensive line, defensive tackle coaches are as important now because offenses are going to 11, 10 personnel. So you're being put in your sub packages anyway. So it really just depends if you want to run like three down, four down. I think we're going to still see four down. But I think the defensive line coach is going to have to be very involved in the game plan. I'm not sure if Wiles was. That's a that's a very good point about the offensive personnel dictating the defensive line line play. John, what's your what's your take on that? Well, now that uh, our recorder has allowed me back into my own conference, I think that at, at this particular point in time, I can't see any sort of disconnect between the two lines in this system that they're trying to build, as far as size and strength and everything else. I think even though there's one offense, one defensive, we haven't done this in the past. We've had two small offensive line and two small defensive line. Our offensive line is finally getting big. And now people are starting to notice that our defensive line is, I'm sorry, we just got shoved around way too much. Not all the time because not everybody's real big, but when it came to those 1A schools way up top with all of the four-star and five-star recruits up there, like, Clemson or Alabama or whatever, we were just getting pushed around. I think Hamilton played enough of those games as a player where he saw these guys on the defensive line playing their butts off, but just getting eaten and shoved around. I think that that was his big thing. That might have been a primary mission for him. I'm just guessing, 
But I'm, I bet you that was a primary mission for him. I bet you there's going to be on the recruiting trail, they're going to start going after defensive linemen that are as big and as talented as the offensive linemen they're going after. It'd be huge if we could get these guys. And, and this is an opportunity for Justin Hamilton to show he can close. Yeah, it's something yeah. that really, other than other than the man he's the man that got removed, and Charlie was the only one that was a real guaranteed closer. Charlie Wiles could really close the deal. If Justin Hamilton can do that, we finally have a defensive coordinator who can also close the deal on recruiting. We know Foster could quote unquote close the deal, but he only closed like two or three deals a year because that's all he was directly involved in. I mean, he just was not a recruiter. I think Hamilton has got the chops for that. I think he's a former player. He's well put together as far as his resume that would appeal to the people that he's recruiting. Don't discount the youth factor. Yeah. Old men have a tendency to be looked at as old men by teenage. And as, as Josh brought up in the recruiting special, but there are two really good recruiting specials that we've done as podcasts. Please take a listen. One of those talks was about the situation right now, which is you've got to appeal. You got to go out. You got to you got to be able to appeal to the people you're talking to. They have to you have to make a connection and you get older and you get older and you get older and there's less and less of a connection. Hamilton's going to make that connection. This is, this is going to be an ongoing conversation. We're going to see some new people and some new stuff happening. And so we're going to have to get together occasionally and go over the next move. I don't know if there's going to be anybody in place for the bowl game. It's going to be interesting to see who the provisional coaches are. You know, who knows? Maybe they'll tip their hands there. We'll wrap this one up tonight. And you guys have any final thoughts on the coaching on the coaching moves as we wrap this up and look forward to the next podcast where we will cover the Belk Bowl extensively? I'm very interested in seeing how Fuente and Justin Hamilton's vision envision their team being, because I think that'll tell us a lot about the coaches they hire and what they think the players will follow those coaches into the locker room through recruiting. So I don't think anyone really knows. And John, do you have anything else to add? Uh, No, before we sign off, I'm kind of agreeing with both of you guys, especially Jahar. I think next year's team is going to be very similar because we're going to see the same people. We're going to say, uh, what, 21 of the 22 starters we're going to see again. Guess what? That's the only thing that's going to be the same. I got a feeling there's going to be quite a few other changes going on. It'll be an interesting hit, this Belk Bowl. Maybe we'll start seeing the door peek open and, and see maybe get a little little look at what we're going to encounter next year. I know the spring game is going to be interesting. I can't wait to cover that. I, not and, You know, nothing big happens there, but we do get a chance to see how the coaches are handling things. So it's going to be a long offseason, right? And uh, it's a long stretch before the bowl game happens. So Everybody hang in there. We got more podcasts coming up and we got more things happening. We got more articles, basketball's happening. So everybody, I said it before, I'll say it again. Go Hokies. (laughs) 